following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Just to let you know how bad things are getting, that second song we sang a minute ago had a verse in it. said, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring I see. When I looked at it, I could have swore it said, L-O-L. A spring I see. I didn't know. I had to take a second look at that. Anyway, you ever thought about that? How would you like to have been there? That This has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. How would you like to have been there that day when the Lord used Moses to make water gush out of the rock? I mean, out in the middle of the desert, a million and a half people, three million people, hungry, thirsty. Where, you know, where are we going to get water from? How are you going to do it? God's going to provide. Man, all the stuff that they got to see, the parting of the Red Sea, manna from heaven, quail, 40 years their shoes didn't wear out. I mean, God is just so amazing. And we've seen him do some amazing things uh, in our life since we began this journey. You've seen him do some amazing things here. You, Just like many churches, you've had your highs, you've had your lows. And uh, I think that's kind of what led me to this study of the book of Galatians. It's kind of going to be the the thread in my sermon tonight that you'll see is, uh, like I said a while ago, it's going to be kind of like a State of the Union address. Where I'm, I'm going to talk to you about a few things that's going on here uh, in our association, in our state. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from the book of Galatians uh, that have to do with us and the type of ministry that we hear. Look, I, I know you know as well as I do, ministry here in this area is tough. There's just such a uh, a large mixture of religions, denominations, uh, people that don't know anything about church, people that know too much about church. And I think that's one of the things that the church at Galatia, uh, reading through the whole chapter and looking at all the commentaries, that's one of the things that they s- struggled with is Judaism coming back in. Uh, the law is one of the things that Paul was battling with, trying to make sure uh, that they knew that they were free from the law. So I, I think... In terms of our ministry in Louisiana, I think struggling with tradition and people being legalistic, I think this book has a lot to do with the way we do ministry here. So if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to cover verses 1 through 10. Tonight's going to be just an overview. Uh, I'll give you more of the background of the Church of Galatia as we go through this study, uh, but tonight we're going to talk just about a few things. So dating the book of Galatians, uh, they know for sure that more than likely, they know for sure that uh, this church was planted by, by Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Uh, one of the big disputes that they have is whether this letter was intended for a destination of South Galatia or North Galatia. So Galatia is on the peninsula when you leave from Antioch and Jerusalem going towards Ephesus. Uh, South Galatia will be on the bottom of that peninsula and North Galatia will be on the top. And so they're, they're pretty certain that uh, this letter was intended for the churches in South Galatia and in that area. And so they can date it back to around the year 49 or 50 AD based on Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, undisputably, uh, Paul was the author here. There were many letters uh, that people tried to falsify the name or write under Paul's name. Uh, but they know for sure that there are four letters that are 
uh, indisputably written by the Apostle Paul, Galatians, Romans, and First and Second Corinthians. So the topic of concern in the book of Galatians, uh, the letter that he wrote here, um, is the origin of the gospel, which we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, that was one thing that he emphasized right here in the first chapter. Uh, well, that was one of the concerns for Paul generating this letter. Um, also, uh, freedom through grace. Uh, like I said, as soon as Paul moved out and continued on in his missionary journey, uh, the Judaizers came in and started teaching and preaching legalism. Uh, they wanted the new Gentiles to say, uh, you know, even though we're Christians, we still have to adhere to the Jewish laws. Uh, that was one of the things that Paul was battling against as well. Uh, he also had fears of theological and doctrinal instability. Being a new church, uh, being just started in the church planning business, making his first missionary journey, that was one of his concerns as well, is to make sure that they were theologically and doctrinally stable. So like I said, the controversy surrounding leather, the only controversy is whether the destination was to the southern Galatian churches or the northern Galatian churches. Uh, but most of the evidence points towards the southern location. And we'll learn more about that uh, in later sermons. So as Paul's greeting here in the letter, it's a little more abrupt than most of the letters that he wrote. It's kind of abbreviated. It seems like he was wanting to hurry up and get through the greeting part of the letter and get to the, to the meat of it, uh, to the topics at hand and really, uh, just get to the bottom of what they were struggling with. Uh, and he starts off by stating his apostleship because he wanted them to be 100% sure, uh, what he based his apostleship on and what this letter was based on was not his opinion, um, but that this was, uh, something that the Lord really wanted them to be Settled in. He wanted to make it clear that he was about to write something that was not a matter of his opinion, but it was all about the gospel and making sure that they adhered everything to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we go through the book of Galatians, just keep in mind the potential that this church had. So we're going to relate their potential and our potential a lot. Like I said, we're, I'm going to talk some, about some statistics and some things going on around here. And so just think about the location where they're at. Location is going to be something that I'm going to include in all three points tonight because it has a lot to do with what they could do and what could possibly happen because of the location. The southern churches of Galatia, they were right on a major trade route from Ephesus to Antioch and Jerusalem back and forth because they hugged the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. So location was a big thing for this church, and they had a lot of potential to send out missionaries, they had the potential of being a hub that sent out ministers and missionaries as well. So as we think about that, and we think about the relationship between their church and our church, uh, when we think about the church at Galatia, were they a sending church? Were they a church that prepared other ministers? During our study of the book of Acts and looking through Galatians here, I just couldn't help to think of the many other ministers and church planters that were birthed out of the Apostle Paul's ministry. There's probably some that we don't know about. There's probably some that aren't recorded in his letters or the book of Acts. I would have to say that just about anywhere he went, he had an impact on the men and women in those areas, encouraging them 
to do the ministry work, not only in their area, but in other places as well. I just wonder how many other missionaries Paul would send out from churches like this. And as these churches continue to develop and establish themselves, uh, you just can't help but to think that there were younger men that were wanting to learn how to do ministry, learning how to preach, learning how to teach, learning how to go out and plant churches as well. So I thought about how many were sent from my home church back into Quincy. I, I am one of them. Uh, at the time that I departed and started on my journey, there was another guy that went the other direction. Uh, there was another guy that went in the music ministry. He moved on to another church. Uh, before me, there were several other uh, deacons and Sunday school teachers that went out as missionaries. Our church would fund them, support them, follow them, and go and work with them. And I know just looking at the history of this church, there have been many. Uh, we talked about one that's, uh, uh, I think he's a youth minister up in North Louisiana now. Uh, we got one or two in our association. They're pastors and preachers. The ministry of this church has impacted their life as well. And so I just have to think about the future. You know, what do we have to do to put ourselves in a position now? We're, we're going to do a little bit of vision casting as well through this sermon. You know, what do we have to do now to put ourselves in a position to where our Sunday school uh, is growing, it's vibrant, and people are learning how to do the ministry work through our Sunday school classes, through these sermons, through different events that we do. Maybe uh, next year we'll get to a point to where we're sending out missionary teams maybe foreign and abroad, maybe here in the States, I don't know. Uh, but I think we're open to that, and I think we're in a good position to make uh, events like that happen. I looked at the life of William Carey. Uh, he was a missionary to India in the late 1700s. Uh, the association that I came from back in De Quincy, we were a part of the Carey Baptist Association. Uh, we'll explore more about William Carey here in just a little bit. But uh, one thing that, one, one saying of his, one quote of his that always uh, is in the back of my mind, uh, he always said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And so I've kind of built a little bit of a mindset around that. And as I read through uh, this first part, and as I read through the book of Galatians, and I thought about the Apostle Paul's ministry and his three missionary journeys where we're at in the book of Acts and the things we looked at in the book of Acts. I just couldn't help but think, you know, the apostle Paul expected great things everywhere he went. And he attempted to do great things for the Lord as well. And that's the point that I want us to get to uh, as a church in the ministries that we have here. So let's uh, read the passage, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We didn't stand this morning, let's stand this evening and we'll read through it and we'll go back through and unpack it. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Remember, when you always see something repeated, the writer is trying to highlight something very, very specific there. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still, uh, for if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. What an incredible example the Apostle Paul leaves us is someone who not only is devoted to planting churches, propagating the gospel, but also making sure that these churches are on track with where they need to be. And Lord, as we begin this study of the church of Galatians, this letter to the Galatians, Lord, I pray that we will glean from it the things that we need to learn to help us develop a vision here at First Baptist Church. Lord, there are so many important issues at hand. Uh, we, we just can't address them all uh, in our nation, in our country, in our community. But Lord, we want to be faithful to preach the gospel, to share the love of Christ in practical ways and let others know that there's a place here for them to grow and to learn about you and experience your mercy and your grace. So I just pray, Lord God, that you would guide us through this study. I pray that you'll speak through me tonight in, in the things that we need to hear. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing that we see, I, I got two points that come directly from the passage. I got one that comes just from the background of the church. But I think the first thing that we can see from this passage is that the church at Galatia was a vibrant church. It was a vibrant church. In verse 6, Paul says that I marvel that you have turned away so soon. So that, that implication, uh, that implies that at one point they were indeed pointed in the right direction. For them to turn away from something, they had to be going towards something at one point in time. I don't know how much time exactly uh, Paul and Barnabas spent here at Galatians, but I'd have to think it would be long enough to get some elders, some leaders established, and that in that area, the churches of Galatia were doing the ministry faithfully because Paul says he's, he's amazed by it. He says, I marvel. I, I'm just so uh, caught by surprise that you have turned away as quickly as you had. I, I would have to think that when they started off, they were growing strong. They were a vibrant church. But I'm afraid that what happened is, is, is what I refer to as a bottle rocket Christianity. Boy, it takes off with a streak, making a lot of noise. You see a lot of bright light, then all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. What happened to it? What happened to it? They were perverted. Paul talks specifically about them being perverted in their beliefs and in their doctrine and in the things that they were accustomed to. He said, you were turned away so soon. So what were some of the aspects that made this church a vibrant church? Location, location, location. I think that's the thing at the top of the list. So as I think about that and I think about where we're at, does our location here at First Baptist Church, 1915 Victor 2 Boulevard, right here off of Highway 90, Martin Luther King, 
Victor 2 Boulevard, does our location here where we're at factor into that for us as well? I would have to say yes. I think we, we are in a prime location. We are in a, on a piece of property that has a lot of potential. Uh, we are very, very visible from all directions. We got plenty of subdivisions, neighborhoods right here at our back door. So I think for us to be a vibrant church, I think we have to take advantage of the location where we're at. And I think that that's what made the church of Galatia such a vibrant church. It was strategically located. It was in a strategic trade route. There was a lot of traffic coming back and forth from the east and from the west, constantly flowing in and flowing out and passing through the churches of Galatia. So one of the churches planted by Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. I think that's another thing that makes it a vibrant church. They was one of the first churches planted by the Apostle Paul. He was going strong on his first missionary journey. Christianity was spreading like wildfire. Everywhere that Paul stopped, everywhere that he was at, there were people that were coming to him wanting to know, hey, what's this gospel? Who's this Jesus Christ person that you preach about? And every church that he planted seemed to grow rapidly. Not all of them lasted as long as they should have. But most of the times, Paul would either come back around himself personally or he would send someone or he would write them a letter of encouragement. And Galatians being one of the first churches that he planted on his first missionary journey, I think that had a lot to do with their vibrancy at first, their new growth. So Paul's letter concludes with an encouragement found in chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit tonight. Uh, there's an encouragement found in chapter 6, verse 1 that uh, is something you've heard from me numerous times. And it allows the apostle Paul to let them, let this church, these churches be certain of their potential of being a vibrant church. He says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Church, let me tell you, we, we, we've still got a lot of work to do. We've come so far in three years. We've seen the children's ministry grow. We've seen the student ministry grow. We, we've seen outreach come back around. Of course, when I came here, we were in the middle of a pandemic. It was very unusual times. But just think of where we were three years ago, and, it, and it's gone by just like that. But I think for us to be a vibrant church, we really need to assess a few things. We need to look at the potential. We need to look at the location. We need to look at the facility. We need to look at the area around us. And just like Paul, let us not grow weary. And well done. Let me tell you, I'm tired right now. I know some of you see it. You've commented on it. Uh, we've been through a lot in the past three or four months. Uh, we got a little situation going on right now. But the Lord is telling me, just press on. Don't give up just yet. Don't grow weary in doing well good. And I think what Apostle Paul is saying here is that sometimes, and this is how I feel sometimes, and I know this is some, how you feel sometimes. Sometimes you get a little frustrated of doing ministry, doing ministry, doing ministry, and not seeing the results that you expect. You go out and you invite people. You hand out those friend day cards. You hand out Bibles, tracts, and you just don't see any fruit of it. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't get weary of doing those things. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And when you're persistent in making those invites, when you don't grow weary, when you press on, eventually you're going to get that breakthrough that you see. A vibrant church 
my friend uh, Sean Keith at the Louisiana Baptist Convention. He's over Sunday School and Church Growth. Uh, he wrote a little booklet called The Vibrant Sunday School, The Value of a Vibrant Sunday School. Here's, how, here's what he has to say about uh, vibrancy. How will people know that your church exists is the church, uh, question that he asks. And uh, I quote, there's a couple of paragraphs here I want to read. He says, I know you are not responsible for the marketing strategy for your church, but you and the other members of your class are the best strategy your church has. It begins with you personally and intentionally praying for, inviting, and developing relationships with the hope that they might one day become a Christian and or decide to join your local church. The responsibility of reaching people in your community for Christ and your church is yours. We all share that responsibility. We tend to think that it is the pastor's job. Certainly he leads the way, but it is just as much your responsibility as it is his. For many people, their first exposure to your church will come through the Internet. They may be invited by someone, but most will check out who you are and what you are about behind the privacy of a computer screen. Handing people you interact, handing people you interact with during the week a card with your church's website address could be a great way to encourage them to take a look at your church. And here's the last paragraph that he has to say, and it contains one of the most important comments in this. Uh, We can't assume that everyone knows you are there. People drive past things all the time and never realize what is on the path they travel every day. What makes you think they are paying attention to your church? And here it is. Word of mouth is the greatest advertising tool your congregation has. We spend a lot of money on advertising, and we're looking at investing some more. But the best advertisement that we can invest in is sitting right in those pews every Sunday. When people come in, they feel the love. They see what's going on. They see us happy, smiling, hugging on each other. Man, you know, what more could you ask for? That is your best advertisement that you have right there. Word of mouth is the greatest advertising tool your congregation has. If you believe it, if you've bought into it, you're going to talk about it. What's going to be the topic of conversation in most workplaces tomorrow? LSU football. What Morgan City High School do? What the Saints do today? That's because it's something they're interested in. It's something they believe in. It's something they bought in. But how, how often have you gone back to work on a Monday morning and said, man, we just had the best worship service I've ever been a part of. You need to come check it out. I know a lot of you are retired. Well, I just look around now. Most of you are retired. <laughs> Some of you, I know you go to your morning meeting at McDonald's every morning. Uh, they got their little office in the corner. I haven't been to it yet, but I've heard a lot about it. That's a good advertisement right there. If the members of your church don't speak positively about your church, that's bad advertising. They don't say anything at all. That's not good either. When something great is happening, at your church, everybody starts talking about it, including those in the community who are not yet in your church. 
You want to be a vibrant church? Go tell somebody. Show some excitement. Buy into it yourself. And then be an advertisement every time you go out on the streets of Morgan City. Every time you go to the grocery store. Every time you fill up. Hey, look, one of the things I do, no matter where I go, I, I did some for New Hope the other day because I run out of ours. Anytime I pump gas in my car, I've got a gospel track. I'm going to leave it in where that debit card goes because I know they're going to use it. they got to pull that tract out to put their card in or I'll put it at the pump handle. That's one way. That's one thing that you can do. But there are ways that you can get the word out about what's going on right here at First Baptist Church, and we can see a vibrant church growing once again. There's potential for it here. The location, location, location is right. The facilities are right. Things are in place for us to be a vibrant church. Point number two, this is one that you don't really see in the text that we read tonight. The church at Galatia was a vital church. It was a vital church. The matter of being one of the churches planted on the first missionary journey and the strategical location made Galatia a vital church. What, what makes a church vital? William Carey had this to say, and I already quoted, expect great things from God and attempt great things from God, for God. When's the last time you've attempted something great for God? When's the last time we as a church have attempted something great for God? And I, I think of one of the greatest events that we've had. It's been a joint effort, the wind-shaped camps that we had back here in June. I think community-wide, I think for the people in our community seeing churches come together and work like that on a project like that, I think that was something great that we attempted, and it was successful. And a lot of people saw, hey, these churches aren't fighting with each other. They're not bickering, but they're coming together to benefit our community. So the church as a body is vital where it's at, what it's doing. And I think about the vitality of, of the Apostle Paul's ministry. As I was mentioned just a minute ago, I just, I can't help but to wonder how many other missionaries or church planters were birthed out of his ministry. William Carey right here, from William Carey's ministry alone, came other missionaries as well. David Livingston was a missionary to Africa. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. Adoram Judson was a missionary to Burma. All three of those were birthed out of William Carey's missionary ministry. Here's what Hudson Taylor had to say about being a vital church. He said, God's work done in God's way will never lack supply. And for us to expect to become a vital church, we have to say no matter what we attempt, no matter how big it is, no matter how expensive it is, no matter how many resources we have to use, if we're going to be a vital church, we've got to expect that God is going to provide everything we need for what he asks us to attempt to do. Y'all, I ain't missed a car note or a house note or insurance note or nothing. I'm not getting paid what I used to get paid. I'm just going to be honest about it. I, I knew that going into it. I, I've been on strike before. Haven't missed any notes during that time. God has supplied my every need 
no matter what direction I went in. I, I asked for his direction. I made sure that that was the direction he wanted me to go in. Oh, hey, we, we did it on paper. We tried figuring out. Man, we just looked at each other and said, it don't add up. We're not going to make it. it it's not going to happen. I ain't missed a meal. <laughs> my kid's still in college. All my vehicles are paid for. Y'all got us so good. Water from a rock. You can say LOL to that if you want to, but if he wants to bring water from a rock, he's going to bring water from a rock. He's going to bring honey from the rock. He'll make bread fall from the sky if we need something to eat. But if we're going to be a vital church, we've got to go with the mindset that no matter what we attempt, God is going to provide every supply and every resource that we need for it. The church at Galatia, that they had to be cautious about a few things. But right there in that major trade route, I would have to think that all their supplies would come in as they need them and when they needed them. The Apostle Paul, he needed direction sometimes. He needed people sometimes, and the Lord always provided for him what he needed for his missionary journeys to be vital in the propagation of the gospel. I think of vitality here for, at First Baptist Church. What, what gives us an edge in helping others in ministry? What gives us an edge here at First Baptist Church to help others in our community? Would, would, someone, would someone outside of our church or some other entity that we support, would they come in and consider us a vital church? Are you really doing what God has asked you to do? Or are you still here because God has a plan and a purpose for you? Do, do we impact our community in a way that makes us vital to this community? Does this community see us as something that spiritually we're important, but also for the benefits of our community and other aspects as well? Is there anything else that we could be invested in or involved in that can make us even more vital to our community? But most importantly, are we a vital church for the kingdom of God? Does God look at us and say, man, I, that, I need that church to be where it's at, doing what it's doing, but I need to send some more supplies to make them even more vital for the area around them. Let's look at some of the vital work uh, that we've been a part of. And, and when I say we, I, I'm talking about us as a church, even before I got here. But I'm talking about more recently. What, what are some things that have taken place over the past few months? So the Louisiana Baptist Convention, just recently, uh, their mission and church planning team, they have set a goal of 231 churches to be planted in our state by the year 2030. And so if each new church leads 125 people to Christ after being planted, in our state, with a population of 4.6 million people, that would equate to 28,841 souls, one for the kingdom of God. And you might say something like this. You know, I've, I've never given to a church plant, Brother Tracy. I don't know that it, those 231 churches I've been a part of, I don't know if I'm vitally important to the planning and propagation of those churches in our state. Well, let me just say this. If you've ever donated to the Georgia Barnett offering, 
you've been a part of those churches. If you've ever given an offering or a tithe here at this church, you've been a part of planting those 231 churches. So you're going to see an increase in our budget next year. Over the past couple of years, we've increased in our budget, our giving to the corporate program, so we can become more involved in efforts like this. Here's some other statistics of some things that have gone on recently here in our state. This past summer, a total of 13,208 people have attended one of our five camps in the state of Louisiana. Your offering goes towards most of those camps as well. We are giving directly as a church to ABC Camp in Eunice. So the impact of these camps, we'll, we'll never know the full impact of the. I know my life has been impacted by camp. I know many of yours have as well. Many of us have memories of going to camp. The Lord's speaking to us at camp. We've been back to camp as adults and we've seen the Lord move in the lives of campers as well when we've gone. The impact of these camps will never be known and they are very, very vital. Each one of these camps is very vital to the future of the church, the state of Louisiana, and the kingdom of God. God's work done in God's way will never lack supply. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Are we a vital church? I would have to say that the churches of Galatia were vital churches or else Paul wouldn't have written this letter back to them. He, he saw something in them and he was concerned enough for their longevity to make sure that he was encouraging them and giving them crystal clear warnings against legalism and the Judaizers. He knew that they were a vital church. So for us, are we asking God to be, uh, for us to be more part of different things? Do, do we want to become increasingly vital for his church, for his kingdom? How, how do we accomplish that? How do we become more vital for God's kingdom? I think integrity, which is one of the things you'll see in Galatians, both personally and doctrinally, generosity, good stewardship, faith, and most importantly, is staying on the course. I think if Paul had anything to say here in chapter one, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. I, I want you to stay on the course. Don't turn away, but stay the course. Don't grow weary in, do, uh, in well-doing. Adder and Judson had this to say. He, is, he said, it is true that we may, we may desire much more, but let us use what we have and God will Give us more. That's all about stewardship right there. Being a vital church and investing in the kingdom matters that are going to impact our community. So point number three comes directly from uh, our passage here. Verse nine, uh, the church at Galatia was a vulnerable church. The church at Galatia was a vulnerable church. What made this church so vulnerable? Location, location, location. <laughs> the same thing that made them a vibrant church, the same thing that made them a vital church, 
It was a two-edged sword. Their, their location made them so susceptible to the Judaizers coming in from both directions and trying to persuade them to follow the Jewish customs and practices. What made this church so possible, uh, so vulnerable? Uh, verse 9, Paul says, As we have said before, now I say to you again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. He says, I know your vulnerability. I know that you're susceptible to false teaching. And here's what you need to look out for. Paul says, if anyone preaches any other gospel, he's letting them know that the possibility exists for this very thing to happen where they're at. And so we see even Barnabas. Barnabas must have stuck around in Galatia for some time because uh, he was even moved in that same direction. Uh, he was knocked off course by the Judaizers. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 13, uh, he says that Barnabas was even carried away with their hypocrisy. Someone that had been with the apostle Paul. Someone that was sent with him to be an encourager. Paul says, I've noticed that uh, the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with them so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And this church, these churches here in Galatia that he's writing the letter to, he even goes so far as to say, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? You see that in chapter 3, verse 1. So what happened to make them fall away so quickly? And what can we learn about that as well? Uh, location, 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 where they were at made it easy for these people to come through with their Jewish customs and practices and worship, try to persuade them to go back to the legalistic practices that had gone on for so many years. There, there was a group of Gentile converts that Paul had left there that weren't doctrinally grounded at first. So the false teachers were Judaizers and their teaching was legalism. Uh, the legalism was the practice and upholding of Jewish laws and customs, so I, I don't think that there's a danger of that right here, right now. But if you've noticed, like I've noticed, we've got some new people come in that need to be thoroughly grounded. They need to say, hey, we need to show, hey, look, we, we've got a church covenant that we want you to read here. We want you to know what we believe in. Here's the doctrine that we believe on uh, baptism, marriage. What, what does it mean to be a church member? Those are the things that we need to set in place now and that we need to be aware of. So with all of these new Gentile converts coming into these churches in Galatia, Paul was saying, you're going to be vulnerable to this false teaching creeping in. It's not going to happen overnight. And sometimes it's not going to be that noticeable. But he says it is something that you need to be warned of and you need to be aware of. And you need to have the proper preventative measures in place to keep that from happening. So as I prepared for this message, I, I had to ask this question, you know, which direction are we moving in? The church of Galatia, Paul said, you were moving forward at one time, you were vital, but all of a sudden something happens to switch you around in the wrong direction. He says, I marvel that you have turned away so soon. So I had to ask myself this question, which direction are we moving in? As a church, are we moving forward? I think we are. I think we're going in the right direction. I think we're plodding along. We're not seeing 
a, a lot of rapid growth, which is good with me. I'm good with that. But we're seeing some growth. We're seeing some slow movement in the right direction. I, I didn't want to make this message sound like a state of the unit address, but, but there comes a time when you frequently need to analyze what's going on. You need to assess where you've been. You need to assess where you're headed. It's kind of like going to the doctor for a regular checkup. We don't like it, but we know if we go to that doctor every now and then, every year, every six months, we get those checkups. He's going to see some things. Hey, you might need to back off on this. Get off the salt a little bit. Your sodium's up. You don't need all that salt. And he'll help you make those adjustments. So that's some things we need to do as churches. Just step back and take a look. Hey, where are we being? What did we, what did we learn from the pandemic? What, what are we seeing in our spending? What are some trends that we're seeing in our budget? What are some ways that we can invest something that we're not using anymore? Can we move it in a different direction? Can we continue being that vibrant, vital church and investing in the future of other churches, church plants, sending missionaries and missionary teams out? But to keep from being vulnerable in your doctrine, in your teaching, in the direction that you're going in, you need to make an assessment from time to time. Are we going forward? There's only two directions we can be moving in as a church or as an individual. This goes for a church, this goes for a group, this goes for a business, this goes for an individual. Well, either you're going in the right direction or you're going backwards. You're going back to where you came from. That's one of the things that Paul noticed about this church. He said, I'm surprised that you've turned back so soon. You are not going in the right direction. And here's why. Are we going forward or are we going backward? David Livingstone, one of those that was birthed out of William Carey's ministry. He says, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. He was a man that lived moving as forward as he could, as fast as he could. He did not want to go backwards in his ministry. Another one of his quotes, he says, Christ alone can save the world, but Christ cannot save the world alone. He needs us moving forward, being alert to the false teaching, not being vulnerable, but being rock solid in the direction that we're heading in. So here's how I feel about it. As long as the gospel is at the heartbeat of everything we do, we're moving forward. If we do any type of ministry or any type of activity for any other reason, we're going in the wrong direction. I read several things to you out of this, and they all seem so timely. And uh, I happened to look at this one this morning as I was thinking ahead to the message tonight. And it's something I've been encouraging you to pray about uh, so many times. And I think this is something that will keep us being vibrant and vital, is uh, praying that the Lord would send laborers for the harvest. Matthew 9, 38. Uh, E.M. Bounds, this whole book is on the power of prayer, and he says, no harvests without prayer. And he quotes Matthew 9, 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And he says this, he says, the church is urged to pray for laborers to be sent out into the harvest of the Lord. The scarcity of laborers, laborers in the harvest field is due to the fact that the church fails to pray for laborers as Jesus commanded. 
God's chosen laborers are the only ones who will truly go filled with Christ-like compassion and Christ-like power. Christ's people on their knees with Christ's compassion in their heart for dying people and for needy souls is the pledge of laborers in numbers and character to meet the needs of earth and the purpose of heaven. That last quote from William Carey says, it is the duty of those who are entrusted with the gospel to endeavor to make it known among all nations. So why did Paul write this letter to the churches of Galatia? I think he wanted them to stay on track. He didn't want them to turn back. He wanted them to stay moving forward. And I think he saw the potential in this church. He saw their vibrancy early on and he wanted to maintain that. He wanted to maintain their vitality, but he needed to prevent them. He needed to put up some safeguards to keep them from being so vulnerable where they were at in those early stages. Propagation of the gospel. Praying for laborers. Think about what God has entrusted us with as a church. The church of the true gospel. Can you think of anything else more precious that the Lord has entrusted us with than the gospel of Jesus Christ? The message, the only message that sets the souls of mankind free. Is there anything more precious than preparing future missionaries and ministers to go and share the gospel in some of those unreached people groups that I've talked about this morning. And since the kids have come into our, our worship service on Sunday morning, that, that's something I often look about, think about, and pray about as I see them. I say, Lord, help me to say something that they will understand, that will encourage them and inspire them to maybe be the next great William Carey or Hudson Taylor or David Livingstone or Billy Graham. We could have that very person sitting right here in our congregation. And there is nothing more precious than that than thinking that the Lord will use us to prepare and send out people to share the gospel. As Nancy comes, we're going to have a little bit of music for an invitation. I just want you to be thinking about where we're at, where we're headed, and praying for more laborers in the field. For us to be a vital church and a vibrant church, and start thinking about the future and what God has in store for us and how we can set them up for success in the future as well. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We just thank you for this message, this letter that you've written to the church of Galatia. Lord God, we know that we are free through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not bound down by the law. Lord, we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins have been washed away. We've been forgiven. And Lord, I want nothing more than to see my life my ministry in this church to be a vital part of your kingdom building process. 
Lord, we want to be vibrant in everything that we do. We want to be a vital part of this community. We want to know, Lord God, that we're making an impact in families here in our community, in the youth and in the children. Lord, we want to be involved in what's going on here in Morgan City. But God, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to lose focus. We don't want to get sidetracked. We want to stay full steam ahead on what you've commanded and what you've placed us here to do. So, Lord, open up our hearts now and guide us through this invitation, Lord. In your name we pray. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.